Okay. Cool. Good. good stuff. I'll just, let me just finish my Greek flashcard. According to Princeton Students Climate Initiative, the fashion industry accounts for one-tenth of global water usage. But fast fashion, what is it? Well, it all ties back to the consumer mindset that we've talked about a couple of times before. Episode 35, episode 3, many others in between. For those who don't know, the consumer mindset is this idea that the newer, the better. And it's a result of the social stigma regarding anything viewed as being old, no matter how young it really is. This stigma often leads to the average person with sufficient money, or worryingly, sometimes with insufficient money, to feel obliged because of social norms to purchase newer products such as clothes or phones, even if they're not at all necessary. This can often be traced back to profit-driven companies that have obligation, as well as personal interest, to grow their profits at all costs, which requires constant sales of their products. However, to achieve a point of constant sales and maintain constant growth, they can't market and sell the same design all the time, forcing them to create a constant stream of new seasonal products and designs that they then advertise as the seasonal fashion trends, luring people into purchasing their products as a result of the societal stigma against falling behind the current trend. But what are the problems that this entails? Hello listeners, and welcome to Fighting Failure, the podcast where we discuss solutions to the climate crisis. This is Season 3, Material World, Episode 36, where we'll be talking about fast fashion. I'll be your host for this episode, Hisham Kanan. And I'm your co-host, Oscar Archibald. Let's move on to the problems. Alright, so do you want Good. to... Good, okay. You want to... You want yeah, to if you started off. Alright, so problem number one, um, Oscar, I don't know if you know this, but about one-tenth of water used globally is used by the fashion industry, um, or in the cleaning of, of um, fashion-related products, so all of the clothes that we wear. And in perspective, this is about 3,000 liters of water for, one, for the lifespan of one cotton shirt, which is an incredible amount of, of water use. Um, and of course, water waste is a big problem. I mean, what do you think about that? Um, th- those numbers, Oscar? Well, yeah, those numbers are really interesting, but what I would like to see is what's the breakdown of that? Because I uh, I know that within household use of water, you know, a big part of it is um, is the washing of clothes. But moreover, I'd like to see uh, these numbers sort of taken apart because I think washing of clothes, like you shouldn't like put your clothes in the wash every single day. Well, it depends what you're wearing. Yes, you should wear new underpants and new socks. But I think that stuff like washing your clothes is less of um, a sort of unnecessary consumeristic thing to do, whereas buying new clothes all the time totally is. So um, I'd be interested to see, and I'm quite sure that the majority of the water use is actually in the manufacturing process, especially in products like jeans. So, um, and I'll link this, um, I'll link this uh, site in the show notes, but the average, the average American family uses about, or more than 300 gallons of water per day at their, in their house. And roughly 70% of this occurs indoors. So that's you know, washing dishes, washing clothes, and then the rest is like all outdoors watering their lawns, which is a separate thing that we've discussed in the past. But you know, that's quite a large that's quite a large amount of water usage. You know, indoors, you know, washing clothes and and performing that function on a daily basis. That, that's a lot. Yeah, washing clothes. I mean, drinking water is like the tiniest, tiniest proportion of the water use, the water that we use. If you think globally, most of it goes into agriculture, um, which probably counts as part of growing cotton, actually. But uh, uh, but uh, for also 300 gallons for those who use a real measurement system, that's 1,364 litres, um, which is a lot. Yeah, but the other thing about that statistic you said that calls out to me is you know, 75% is used indoors. That tells me that we could literally 
70%. So everyone could reduce their water usage by 30% just by not watering their lawns, which is fairly unnecessary. You know, we've talked about this many times before, but this idea of the manicured American lawn is just so fake, really. And what would be much better is encouraging like multiple species, but sort of being much more like in nature where, you know, no one waters the national parks, but they still look beautiful. So if we're able to have our lawns look a bit more like that, a bit more natural, more native species, but especially species that are more adapted to the climate, that would be much better. The other thing to say about grass is that it does go brown when it doesn't rain, but as soon as it rains, like it will go back to being green. So you don't need to water it all the time. But that, that's, a, that's a tangent. But anyway, this is a high amount of water usage. And of course, water waste is a big um, problem globally. I mean, thinking about how much how much you know thirst there is in the world and how much i mean there's some places where there's great you know there's a you know large periods of drought um and to think that a lot of the western world is using about you know three thousand liters for the lifespan of one cotton shirt um from the production to kind of throwing it out that's a crazy statistic and that's that's a lot of um waste and and about 20 percent of total waste water which includes toxic chemicals and dyes and, and everything that might, you know, sort of run off into water is attributed to this industry. So the textile industry and the fashion industry. To put it into perspective, you know, 3000 liters is a lot of water and, you know, like it's probably more than you drink all year because I don't think anyone's drinking 10 liters a day. Um, but like, like we've said, drinking water is such a small proportion of water use. Um, and 3,000 litres, if you think especially about agriculture, is not that extreme. I can't remember the exact statistics, but especially, especially if you think about like meat and dairy, those use ridiculous amounts of water. So it's, I think it's hundreds or thousands of litres of water for one litre of milk or something like that. Um, and it's quite similar with, with steaks. Uh, and I know it does vary between how these products are produced. Um, 3,000 litres is a lot, but if you had, if you got like two shirts a year, it's, it's not ridiculous. Um, and so it's less about saying no clothes at all and more about saying let's, let's get rid of these completely unnecessary consumerist fashion trends. We're not saying that people should like run around naked for environmentalist's sake. I mean, the idea is that think about like the average person. Well, I mean, I, I only get to shop like once or twice a year because in Malawi it's really hard to shop unless you're going to secondhand clothing stores, which, which you can do and, and we do sometimes. But um, there's no good firsthand um, shops here so we only go to clothing shops like clothes clothes shopping maybe once a year and I get maybe 10 new shirts a year which is quite a lot but then you look at people who are in places where they can easily access clothing um, and then there's a lot of places where it's like a temperate environment or you know you have, they have the seasons and depending on what season it is you know they they're you know the companies are able to market you know this is this season's fashion trend so this year we have these flannels that are out, you know, you get the new flannels. These, this season we have the new jackets that are out, get the new jackets. And then every year people are stockpiling new stuff on a regular basis. And then you think about how much, and that's $3,000 for one cotton shirt. And then you think about the synthetic materials, which require more than that. And then you think about the clothes like jackets and, and leather requires a ridiculous amount of water. Um, and then just think about how much people are consuming. And then that is a huge amount of water. Um, that's being wasted. And then it, it just, yeah, I mean, it, it makes you think about how much fresh water you can save by reducing your consumption in the fashion industry. I mean, by cutting down on fast fashion. We've talked a lot on this podcast about <clears throat> the difference between 
small feel good changes that companies sort of want us to do and that they're pushing. Um, and that we say, oh, you know, I do this, this and this, therefore I'm good for the environment. Um, and the difference between that and actual important things and, and what is effective in terms of reducing environmental strain, essentially. And I think a big misconception with water use is around, you know, um, like how, how long you have a shower for. Because that, you know, showers perform about 10% of household water usage. Uh, and household water usage is probably around 10 to 20% of global water usage. And so if you want to think about the things that you could actually do to really meaningfully reduce water usage, the things that I would say for that, and I hope you'd agree, is your diet is by far the biggest component. If we think about like the droughts in the Colorado River area in the US, like, yes, even if they reduced 100% of household water usage, they'd still probably be in a pretty drought-stricken state because around 80% of the water from the Colorado River goes to growing crops like alfalfa, which aren't even fed to humans. Um, and so the diet and then clothing uh, are two things that you can absolutely do that would really meaningfully reduce a huge amount. Because if you imagine like how, how many minutes of a shower is 3,000 litres? That's probably quite a lot of shower, but just one fewer cotton shirt, you don't even have to like feel the difference and you've saved 3,000 litres like in one go. To think about that difference, it's pretty massive. And so there's a point at which it's not worth pursuing a thousand little changes if that takes up all your energy and it's much better to focus putting your extra energy into A, activism and B, these big meaningful changes to your life. And that's not us saying that, I mean, you shouldn't make the small changes as well. The small changes can do a lot, but there is bigger changes that, that you can make that will do a lot more or smaller changes that you can make that will do a lot more that maybe aren't so immediately obvious and and that i think people should be more open to trying and that's sort of the idea of this podcast is is giving you guys ways to um to make a difference in your everyday life and to, to make a difference um for the environment so yeah that's great precisely we're not saying like have long showers anyone but what we're saying is focus your energy on what really matters yeah great i think i think we could probably move on from water use i think that felt like a mini episode about global water use on itself so uh the next thing, and I think this is a big issue, is toxic chemicals used to process or dye the textiles. Um, and I think toxic chemicals running into wastewater, uh, back onto water use, are we? Gosh, um, is, is a massive issue. And other areas where we also see massive amounts of toxic chemicals is agriculture. And we have, we have done agriculture probably too much at this point. But um, even though we've talked about pesticides and fertilizers and how these run off and that can create eutrophication, um, it means water, water may, you can't swim in it, which is terrible for recreation. Um, and all those sort of things. The other thing is mining. Um, they use massive amounts of chemicals in mining. It's actually kind of scary. And you see those like pink lagoons near mining places, which is really scary. Aside from, from that mining tangent. Aside from that minor tangent. <laughs> minor, oh wow. I mean, the, the big problem with these chemicals, um, like Oscar said, is eutrophication, which is a, has a huge impact on a water, like aquatic ecosystems. And this, it, it goes beyond, I mean, of course, recreation is affected and, and of course, we don't want all of our, you know, lakes and, and lake areas and rivers to be disgusting and full of algae and high acidity and you can't swim in them. But the effect that this has on aquatic species is incredible um, in a negative way. This idea of bioaccumulation. And so essentially... Biomagnification. Well, bioaccumulation is the term we learn in GCC biology. I don't know what... Maybe there's a better term for it that professionals use. Yeah, we've also just covered this uh, in, in environmental uh, systems and societies, which is a very good class. 
that I just started taking. That's cool. I mean, so yeah, bioaccumulation, um, which is what Oscar was just mentioning, is sort of you get, you know, over time, say there's a fish and there's a ton of microplastics and then the fish is, you know, taking in those microplastics and then over time those microplastics build in its body. Then the concentration of the microplastics increase and at some point it dies. So that's bioaccumulation. But biomagnification is a much bigger problem, which is what we see along trophic levels um, as, is, as, a, as we move up we sort of get this um, increase in concentration gradient as a result of like how many organisms um, how many c- contaminated organisms each species in higher trophic level so each predator each like higher level predator um, is required to eat then you get a magnification of concentration of these um, non-digestible non-biodegradable um, pollutants that end up um, killing species as well. So that, I mean, that is also a big problem is that not only does it cause collapse of, of lower trophic levels, but also when those toxins build up um, to higher trophic levels with the fish that those higher trophic levels are eating um, or whatever those higher trophic levels are eating, maybe amphibians, then the higher trophic level is also in decline because their the level the concentration of these pollutants in their body is so high that they can't survive um which is a big problem actually that'd be a great segue to the next point about microplastics but i did have another point i wanted to mention on toxic chemicals which is um basically the effect of or the effect of and effect on uh poor nations because if we think about uh you know sweatshops fast fashion factory production a lot of textiles are produced in sort of south Asia, Southeast Asia, places like Bangladesh, Vietnam, Sri Lanka, India, uh, tons of textiles produced there, you know. And that, that could feed us, I guess, into... It could, it would be a great segue, except I have a point to make, which is that um, environmental regulations are going to be way less strict in those nations, which means you're going to get a lot more careless sort of runoff of, and leakage of these uh, toxic chemicals that are used to process the textiles, that are used to dye the textiles into the water. But it's, it, it then also becomes an, an extra issue, not just to ecosystems, but also to the same poor people that are being exploited by these factories, is that then they, they want to get their water from these rivers. And these rivers are now full of these toxic chemicals. And then they get the fish from the rivers as well. And then they're having this bioaccumulation of toxins in their body, and then that's affecting them. And so, yeah, I mean, that's a big problem. And and that kind of leads us, I mean, it could lead us into two points, but I think let's go to factory production first, which of course is a huge problem. I mean, it's it's not, a, I think we've covered the, the bulk of that with um, toxic chemicals, but I mean, of course, toxic chemical runoff in, in poor nations is huge. And then you think about factory production. I mean, of course, emissions are, I didn't actually get a stat on emissions um, from textile industry. Do you want to look for that, Oz? But I mean, the emissions, um, of course, you can imagine factory production is, I think we can all agree that the trend is unsustainable and it's not changing and it's not changed. Um, and so that's, it has a hugely negative effect. I mean, in terms of GHG emissions, uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So factories, I just looked at the stat for you. So it's a 10th of greenhouse gas emissions globally are said to come from the fashion industry. So there you have it. That's, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, if you compare global aviation is 2.5%. Of course, planes are bad. We're not saying that they aren't. Um, but then, I mean, and you might think that 2% or 10% is a small number, but it's really not. I mean, that's accounting for a lot. Although it's, it's worth saying two, it's not, it's 2.5% of carbon emissions, but because planes emit them in the high atmosphere, 
they can potentially have much worse like side effects essentially um, of being so high up <clears throat> in terms of their actual global warming potential is potentially not properly accounted for. Uh, but that is a whole nother thing. Yeah, there's obviously the, you know, the sort of human element of sweatshops. Um, in terms of the exploitation and stuff like fire risks and massive working hours, it's pretty terrible. Um, but it's it's also not just as easy as boycotting it because it is, a, a, work can be scarce in these places. So it's about, you know, how we approach this problem is more than just boycotting and getting rid of the industry entirely, but about transitioning to a better working environment for these people. There's also the issue that, you know, if we, even if you did make somewhere like Bangladesh a way better place with better working protections and all of that, then the industry could just move to somewhere with worse uh, regulation, just like how a lot of manufacturing is starting to move out of China because, you know, near new places in Southeast Asia that are cheaper. So it's a big problem. Um, and that's, that's not something that we have a solution for right now. Uh, aside from that, let's go to microplastics. Do you want to... Uh, and this is actually pretty crazy, but, you know, actually fairly believable as well, which is that 35% of all microplastics, 35% of all microplastics can be traced back to textile waste as a result of synthetic materials. <clears throat> so synthetic textiles are like one of the greatest inventions of the century. But when I say great, I don't necessarily mean good for the environment. But synthetic textiles is a very fancy way of saying clothes made of plastic composed of hydrocarbons derived from oil, like literally made in the same way as plastic. You're just forming a slightly different variety of plastic that has those um, sort of properties that make synthetic textiles either so great or so bad. Um, there's obviously a lot of advantages to synthetic textiles. If you think about it, if you're going hiking, a great way to enjoy the outdoors, um, listening to our episode on hiking. You know, Hisha, I've gotten to the point at our podcast where I can no longer remember like what each episode number was. Like summer sports, well, I, I used to know them all, you know, but I, I, I literally don't anymore. It's kind of sad, but it's also kind of great that we've got so much content. Um, but uh, yeah, so listen to that episode that was about summer sports, uh, including hiking um, and why they are great, but also how to just do it a bit more sustainably. That's all. Anyway, if you're doing hiking, you do not want to be wearing a cotton shirt um, because the if you get wet, it will not dry. Um, and so synthetic... Uh, plastics and or synth, not synthetic plastics but synthetic clothing has what we call superior wicking which means it'll dry e more easily but it can also sort of bead uh, stuff like sweat and that's why sport shirts are always made of synthetic materials and not cotton and so in some ways you know synthetic materials are really great i think i imagine also bathing suits are probably made of synthetic materials socks are made of nylon elastic all of this stuff but the the big problem with this as well is that uh, just thinking about um how comfortable the clothes that we wear i mean synthetic materials they can actually make it really hard for your body to to self-regulate temperature because of the way that they function and how much heat they actually trap. So it, it they, there are some downsides. And I mean, there's a lot of downsides environmentally, but there are some downsides to just, you know, wearing it in your everyday life. Oh, yeah, t totally. I mean, I, I don't like wearing um, synthetic clothing. I prefer the feel of, of cotton and that sort of stuff. It's, it's much nicer. Uh, but for sports, like synthetic is where it's at. A quick, you know, little extra point here is that the the problem with that as well is that synthetic clothing is so cheap and it's the same as plastic. I mean, we've gotten to the point now where um, the use of these hydrocarbons, which you know we which we drill for, um, which is oil basically, um, is so cheap and that's that's our plastic and that's our synthetic clothing. And 
are these, you know, these, uh, the, all these like um, products that are sort of born of hydrocarbons have become so cheap now. So like for someone who's maybe a little bit less well off to buy a cotton shirt um, opposed to buying a synthetic shirt or a blend of synthetic and cotton, I mean, it's, it's a much better deal for them to get the synthetic or the synthetic blend with cotton instead of getting the um, completely cotton one. Yeah, but this is all to say that synthetic materials, when you throw away, like, um, or even just when it's in the wash, these synthetic things, they shed tiny bits of fibers in the wash, or you throw them away and they're just like sitting there, that they're going to come apart because of the structure of the fiber there. So they can especially easy to come apart into tiny little bits, which we call microplastics, 35% of which can be traced back to textile waste. Um, and, you know, microplastics we've talked about before, but they're terrible. They're terrible and they're polluting the oceans and they're polluting everything, and it's a massive mess. In terms of environmental health i mean again you can go back to biomagnification and bioaccumulation and the way that that it, it, i mean they're also toxic the way that that can affect species i mean it, another example of biomagnification if we want to go down that route is um is with dolphins and and dolphins being such you know they're they're pretty much apex predators uh, and so having these dolphins that's sort of the the top tier of the trophic um trophic levels and then having everything below that's ha that has been accumulating microplastics and then having the dolphins eat that the the concentration of microplastics in dolphins in a lot of uh, in the great expanse of the ocean right now is so high that i mean when they're giving birth to their young they're actually transferring um some of those microplastics to their young and then their young being um smaller in body mass and having that same buildup in concentration end up dying from the toxicity. And then eventually, I mean, if the accumulation in even adult, adult organisms gets too high, then you have them, you know, sort of failing as well and, and dying. And so, I mean, it's a huge problem and it's just like toxic chemicals. I mean, these synthetic materials, they shed everywhere. And it's not just a problem in aquatic ecosystems. It's also a problem in, in uh, our terrestrial ecosystems. But the difference is that we don't, uh, it's not as big of a problem in our terrestrial ecosystems because in our in the ocean, um, where a lot of our waste does end up, they're so free to move because they can just flow through the water and along the currents. And so now they're all over, everywhere in the ocean, in our lakes, in our rivers, all along the bodies of water. So it's a hugely affecting our aquatic ecosystems. And then also, I mean, you think about us consuming fish and those fish having accumulated some percentage of microplastics in their lifespan. And now... We're finding microplastics. I mean, I was reading reports all last year about, and this is why I've decided to give up fish. I mean, it's it's scaring me, is that there's microplastics in human blood, microplastics in human tissue and human lungs, and they're finding it everywhere in our body. And, and microplastics have been found to cause cancer. Um, and so thinking about that, I mean, that's a huge risk to hu the human population as well. I mean, if you're not as worried about the ecosystem which i think you should be but then think about the human population and the effect that that's going to have and that's huge um and it's not just from like us throwing away shirts it's also from us washing these shirts so frequently um because we we like to wear clothes we, we like to like wear a shirt one day wash it wear it the next day wash it wash it wash it and then like oscar said the little fibers just kind of flake off and then those go into wastewater and then wastewater ends up in rivers and lakes and whatever and then oceans and then 
microplastics and it's it's everywhere now and it's it's scary you're totally right about like the risk to human health as well and you know when i'm fruitlessly talking to the climate deniers at my school and they're saying you're like well i don't care because it doesn't affect me they're just so wrong they couldn't be more wrong um, and the reason that we're all scared about this is is not <clears throat> just because of how much we love nature although we really do but there is really a very rational fear of the massive impacts that climate change will have. And if you look at any forecast from any reputable scientists, it will show that uh, there's going to be a massive financial cost to climate change because of how much it will affect daily life um, on a massive scale. The other thing with fish, as we were talking before about toxic chemicals and um, because of industrial processes, including textiles, you now find often in fish like salmon, huge amounts of mercury um, and, and heavy metals. And I think they're called PCBs. So moving on, I mean... That's that's a big point. But next next point is a lot of our old clothes are incinerated. Uh, with, in fact, about 3 million tons of clothes are incinerated every year. Um, and about 2.5% are reused or just thrown away and end up in like the ocean or in the dump, which obviously then a lot of that's synthetic and microplastics, and that's a big problem. Obviously, the effect of incineration is also huge. Um, and, and a big issue sort of similarly in this vein is that often people are aware of these issues in terms of throwing away old clothes. Um, and a lot of people who sort of stick to this fast fashion stuff find themselves getting rid of clothes that they never wear every year, which is a very bad sign. Like all of your clothes you should wear really often, otherwise you've got too many. And, you know, maybe you have like one dress shirt or something like that, but you really shouldn't need too many clothes. And it's, it's the whole idea with, I mean, everything's marketed now. So like we said, I mean, these fast fashion trends, right? So one day it's like floral whatever, the next day it's, flannel like there's there's things that people want to have because it's the current trend and so then you you get something you wear it for like a season and then you put it in the cupboard then maybe you don't wear it but the other thing as well is that it's with this social stigma against things being old because of the way that you know products are now being marketed to us and um, which you can also go back and listen to our last episode which also covered uh, this a little bit but with the way that products are currently being marketed to us i mean to show that you're wearing something old as well as something that's sort of stigmatized or that you're using something old to stigmatize. So then you think about like, you know, the clothes that you wear and what we wear on a daily basis. And a lot of us don't feel comfortable wearing something that people have seen us in, um, you know, two days ago, because that's just not okay. Because that's, you know, then they know that that's like one of the limited things that you have. And then that, you know, ties into the whole like social status. And, and it's, it's very interesting. I mean, what I wanted to talk about was this, uh, because people are aware of the issue of throwing away old clothes. And so often you find like these textiles recycling bins or these donation things. But, you know, if you look into it, it's actually pretty dodgy. Um, and a lot of organizations which receive, they just receive way too many secondhand clothes. Um, and actually a lot of them just end up mysteriously in Africa um, in these just massive dumps or massive markets of clothes. And, and a lot of them end up in the bin. I think, I'll need to fact check this, but I think around 25% of or only 25% of clothes that get put in these sort of secondhand donation bins actually end up getting uh, sold on to someone else. Um, so even better than selling stuff secondhand or selling stuff to a charity chap- job is just to wear things for longer um, and pass down within families as well or, or to friends because you're going to be more sure that you're sending it to a place where it's going to receive some attention and love. Of course. And then sort of our final point here is even a lot of our organic um clothes you know clothing um and textiles are actually very unsustainably grown and we mentioned earlier you know in terms of water usage and then you get like the whole problem with 
I mean, you can go back and listen to our, sort of our agriculture section from season one, which covered this a lot in a lot of detail. So, I mean, that might be something worth listening to. But pesticides, fertilizers, and um, like Oscar mentioned before, eutrophication is a big problem, which is when we get these sort of algae growths and is it low oxygen levels? I think I think high acidity in our uh, aquatic ecosystems as a result of this runoff and and sort of like a boosted growth from fertilizers and and the, you know then. This, the problem with pesticides is more like bioaccumulation of toxic chemicals, which again, you know, even if it's not synthetic, I guess, or if it's not being processed, then you have the toxic chemicals that might have been used to grow that cotton. It's the cotton bush, I think. But, you know, there's there's all these problems that, yeah, there's all these problems that come from, of course, pesticides and fertilizers and this contamination that we get. And then water wastage, of course, is huge, um, like a lot of the things that we use for textiles actually require large amounts of water, just like a lot of um, our other sort of agricultural areas that, you know. You're listening to Fighting Failure. This is episode 36, all about fast fashion. Season 3 is entitled Material World, and we are talking about waste and consumerism. If you've got this far, you've probably enjoyed our content, so why not send it to someone else who would too? If you really love our silky voices, and perhaps our message as well, our Patreon link is in the show notes. Now, let's move on to the solutions. Solution number one, I'm not sure if it's the most important, but it's definitely the first on this list, is to avoid synthetic clothing where possible, especially clothes that claim they're fire resistant. If Maybe this is important if you're like a firefighter or if you're, I don't know, spending a lot of time near fires. Uh, but this does, of course, mean that a lot of chemicals have had to go into the production of the, these clothes. So best to avoid where possible. Also avoid faux fur, faux leather and other synthetic textiles. They require large amounts of chemicals. Um, also, especially faux fur can easily shed. You know, these bits can come off, leading to lots of microplastic waste because, of course, it's made of plastics. This is not to say that you should buy normal furs because that is, first of all, disgusting, and second of all, you know, like terrible in, environmentally. Same with leather. If we think about the impact of beef, um, it, leather is similarly expensive, plus the massive amount of water that goes into tanneries um, and the chemicals and waste that comes from that. Um, so, just best to just use cloths instead. Um, of course, like if you've got to get school shoes or office shoes, um, it's better to buy a, a faux leather than a real leather, but don't go out buying a million pairs of like leather boots or something like that, or or, or the, the jackets unnecessarily um, within reason. And, and definitely where possible, secondhand is a great, uh, a great way to get a hold of those sort of more fancy. Which I mean, could take us into sort of our secondhand clothing solution, which is a big one. Um, buying secondhand clothing. I mean, I really don't get the whole stigma against secondhand clothing. A lot of it's still in fashion, by the way. I mean, if you haven't ever been to a secondhand clothing store, um, which is kind of the only type of clothing store that we have in Malawi, but a lot of it's in fashion and it's perfectly usable. I mean, the problem as well is that people get a buildup of clothing and so then they're like, well, this one's a little bit old, so I'm going to throw it away. And so either people are throwing away good clothes or putting it into you know, secondhand clothing stores or secondhand clothing donations, which is a big thing. 
Um, and, and if you're maybe not going to buy secondhand clothing, then think about donating secondhand clothes to, there's a lot of organizations that will take your secondhand clothing. Contribute to this cycle. Because imagine that the, uh, if you think about the sort of clothes that people have, you might have some clothes that you don't really like, but someone else really likes. And that other person, or, or you could imagine just some other person somewhere has clothes that they don't like, but you could really like. And so you could sort of create this bit like kidney donations. You have like this massive cycle of people who is sort of getting rid of clothes that they don't want, but someone else wants because it's still in good condition. Make sure you wash stuff before you send it off. And if you get new clothes, obviously then wash those as well. But once they're washed, they should be fine to go, or maybe they need a bit of repair. Um, and the other thing to say about secondhand clothing is that um, there's this thing that my sister really likes. It's a, basically an online store called Vinted. But it's a bit like eBay just for clothes. So you can find tons of in fashion. Um, she's found tons of stuff that she thinks looks really good on her from Vinted. It's way cheaper, but it's also way better to buy this sort of stuff secondhand um, than firsthand. So next point, of course, is um, repairing old clothes or shoes or products or whatever you know you have. It, it's not limited to just you know fashion and, and clothing. And this is something we talked about a lot in our last episode. Yeah, luckily, unlike electronic products, I don't think fashion companies are having like a massive squabble over whether or not you're allowed to repair your own clothes. Well, yeah, and and they can't stop you. I mean, they, they don't have the technology to stop you if, if you do repair your clothes. But, I mean, of course, there is this sort of stigma about like if your clothes get a little stain or if your clothes get, you know, a tear or whatever, then you just throw it away or if it gets a little bit dirty. There's ways to clean your There's like there's there's different ways to go about rep repairing and mending old clothes and old shoes to make them last a long time. Like I've had a pair of Keens now for about three or four years and they still fit me um, pretty much because they were a little bit big when I got them and they still fit me. And the size is a little bit broken, but you know, we can get it mended. There's someone here who can just sew that up for us. Like there's, there's ways to fix things, which I, I, you know, there's this stigma against it, but I think that's something that we really need to work to breaking. So that's a big point is just breaking that stigma and, and repairing old clothes instead of throwing it away. And I mean, if you really don't want your old clothes that have maybe been something's happened to them and you don't want them, then maybe mend them and then um, and then put them to secondhand clothing organizations. Yeah, because that, that small amount of effort on your part will totally increase the chance of it actually getting to a new home. And then, um, oh yeah, but of course, I mean, sorry, this is something I didn't, but, but make sure that the secondhand clothing organizations that you're donating to aren't dodgy. There was sort of like this scandal, I think, that was with DAP, which is the, I think, the local, the one here in Malawi where, you know, a lot of people in like Europe and the US donate clothes and then they come to DAP. But there was something really weird about DAP, like, and it was like a cult that was like being sponsored by DAP. So like, yeah, it's good for the environment. But be careful you're not giving money to something that's dodgy. Okay. So, Oscar, would you like to? Uh, yeah. And the other thing, like, if you have a shirt that's, or, or a piece of clothing that's really tattered and old um, and stained, save it. Because there are times when you want to use a wear a piece of clothing that is a bit disgusting. Say you're doing painting work or you're out and about um, in nature and, and you don't want to wear some good piece of clothing. It's always worth keeping some stuff around for those sort of occasions when you are inevitably going to get dirty and you don't want to ruin a good piece of clothing. Um, it's always good to just keep them around for sort of situations like that. And there's there's also organizations that will take your old clothes and repurpose them or take your old sandals and repurpose them. Like Yeah, there are textile recycling operations that is very unprofitable, so it's a bit rare. Yeah, but I mean, you, you can look for them and, and... It's definitely better to reduce consumption rather than just recycle. 
because it's very difficult to recycle textiles because there's so many different sort of elements to to this sort of thing. Uh, yeah, so the next uh, thing that you can do is wash your clothes less. Um, obviously, there is a trade-off here. Um, we are not saying that you should just get absolutely disgusting and smelly, um, but, you know, jeans or something like that, you could wear at least for a week before you put them in a wash or, or just like a casual shirt that you wear on the weekends. You can wear a few times before it goes in the wash. Um, you know, like my trousers that I wear for school barely ever get washed. Um, uh, but, you know, stuff like underpants and socks, it's disgusting if you don't wash them. Um, so do. Uh, but maybe you should get like cotton socks as opposed to nylon ones so that you're not putting massive amounts of uh, microplastics in the ecosystem when you wash them. And when you do wash stuff, uh, wash it on a lower temperature because this can uh, reduce microplastic shed. Um, but it also, um, some clothes have to be washed cold. Uh, and also heating uses up massive amounts of electricity or gas. Um, uh, and so it's good to reduce, have a small amount of reduction there. Uh, and the last thing that we do um, and everyone should really do, it's not that much more expensive, is biodegradable plant-based uh, washing up liquid um, for washing your dishes and detergent for washing your clothes. So we um, we use a brand called Ecova. But I know there's tons of brands these days of sort of friend, uh, environmentally friendly soaps, um, soaps, detergents, washing up liquids, deodorants, all that sort of thing. Um, because when you wash them off, they inevitably go into into the wastewater and it can be difficult to filter them out. And we've talked about the impacts on ecosystems of chemicals. And so there's a lot of chemicals and detergents and washing up liquids and all that sort of thing. So it's really important that we reduce the amount we put into the ecosystems. And then um, second last point here, and we'll just briefly touch on this. I mean, this is really up to you guys is avoiding mainstream trends and the temptation to purchase just for the sake of it. And this is something that kind of, I mean, it's everyone has this duty in society to make that shift um, away from that consumer, consumeristic mindset, which is just, you know, buy to buy. I'm kind of blessed in that I really don't care about fashion. I care about fashion, but what I do is I, I have like an array of shirts that I have and I just cycle them. I just wear them. One day I'll wear, you know, I have enough shirts that I can cycle without having to buy. Like, I don't need any new shorts, new shirts anymore. And I probably won't for now, like two years. Like, I mean, save, save your clothes as well. Um, but you don't need to necessarily be the ultimate trend. There, I think there are stuff that just looks good fairly timelessly. It does, I'm not saying make yourself look old, um, but there's yeah. some stuff that just... Or set your own yeah, trends. Yeah, uh, sure. But, you know, be you. You be you. Yeah, do, do your yeah, thing. But definitely avoid just like stuff just because it's on sale or just because it's the newest thing on the website. Um, <clears throat> uh, and lastly, keep things local. Hashtag keep things local. Um, local stuff, there's a small element of local things having smaller transport costs, but it's also, um, you know, encouraging communities and um, supporting artisans in and craft and that sort of thing. Especially with clothes, it's not always possible to do, but if you support like a, a local tailor or shoemaker or I don't know, I know there's places that, you know, will make you a nice artisan apron or something like that. Of course, with, with clothes, it can be a little bit harder to get um, locally made clothing because, you know, our textile industries are all, you know, based out of almost all based out of Asia. But there are places that are based out of the U.S. There are places that are based out of Europe and there are places that are based out of your specific communities. Sorry your specific communities that, you know, produce small batch clothing. And of course, it might be more expensive and it might be harder to access. But buying that stuff is so much better. Even if it's even if it's something, it's like the difference is something synth the synthetic, you know, T-shirt that's produced in the U.S. versus a synthetic T-shirt produced in India or China. I mean, you, you can make a big difference in terms of the transport emissions, the bad ethical implications of 
having stuff done in sweatshops and poor countries and the implications of like there's the, the lack of climate legislation in those countries where they're getting huge amounts of runoff and all the waste and I mean there, there's ways to just be slightly better about what you purchase and it just takes a little bit of conscious action um and with that i'll let the host sign off yeah thank you for listening um have a great two weeks until we next sign on and take care keep sharing the climate love goodbye Mm -hmm.